You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to What a Load of Cobblers, the Pumpton Town podcast. I'm Tom Reed, and this is a boot room special with one of my favourite Northampton players, a uh, very speedy striker in his day, Chris Freestone. Hello, Chris. Hi there. How are you doing, mate? It's good yeah. to talk to you. I remember you uh, from the heady days of Sixfields when uh, Sixfields seemed a bit like a fortress in those days. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a great time. I absolutely loved loved every minute of there and try and get back when I can. I do a bit of radio just recently, so it's been good to get back down there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I guess as a player, you you have all your memories associated with the place, and then you come back as a, a you know a commentator or a pundit, and uh, it's just interesting to see how things change or how things stay, stay the same. I guess. Yeah, it was um, it was a strange experience when I first started doing it because you know you get asked a lot of questions about what it was like when you when I was there and all that sort of stuff. But they actually asked me to come down and commentate on the game, so. You know, when they a couple of years ago, when they're going through a little bit, bit of a bad run, the relegation and and whatnot, um, it's difficult not to get drawn into the. Um, we never did it like that when I was playing, sort of conversation. So. And I bet so, you wanted to get your boots on, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> well, I got asked that. I got asked that a lot as well, especially when there was no goals being scored. So, you know, <laughs> have you got your boots in the car, sort of thing. So, yeah, it's difficult, but uh, enjoyable. Right. For uh, Cobblers, obviously, I think it was about 97 to 99. But before that, there was a whole career in non-league and uh, Middlesbrough. So we'll, we'll talk about that first. Uh, okay. If you can just talk the listeners through, you you you, you gained a lot of attention at a club called Arnold Town around Nottinghamshire, where, you, where you're from, uh, yeah. with a very prolific season of, uh, I can't believe there's 54 goals or 49 <laughs> goals. 49 goals, yeah. yeah. I don't mind if you want to say 54, but no, it was 49. Count the goals in training, then it was probably 100-something. Before I went to uh, to Arnold Town, I was at um, a club called Eastwood Town. Um, so there was probably, I would say, around that time, step three. step Yeah, I think it was about step three. It was about two leagues below the conference. Um, uh, I, I did fairly well there, but then, you know, as, as soon as clubs start getting interested in you, they want to... You know, the club wants to put you on a contract. Um, and I might have been young, but I wasn't stupid enough to sign a contract, um, especially for nothing, really. So I, I dropped down a few leagues, um, probably, I don't know, maybe step six or step seven, just to go and enjoy football playing with my mates, um, which was, I went to Keyworth Town and then to a team called Plessy. Um, and then from Plessy, the manager got the, the Arnold Town job. And uh, he took me with him. It was as uh, simple as that, really. And then he was yeah. uh, he was an ex-professional in himself and a striker. So, you know, I gained a lot of information, a lot of knowledge from him. Um, and, and I started again a few a few trials at professional clubs. And back then, they used to do a, a like a week-long trial. So I'd go to uh, – so I went to Forest. I went to Knox County twice, Leeds United. Uh, even went to Chesterfield – um, all for a week-long trial. Uh, it was like four days training and uh, a match day, a reserve match day. So back then they didn't have the under-23s. They used to have the reserves playing in the Pontins League, which was a mixture of um, first-team players and, and the youth team. So you yeah. never knew who you're yeah. playing against. Um, you know, one week you could be playing against youth team, one week you could be playing against, I don't know, Forest first team. So. Yeah. It was, yeah, so it's a good schooling, really. A good schooling. Well, it was for a, fantastic. A young, a yeah, 
yeah, it was brilliant for me because I, I went to I went up to Grimsby, uh, and I just played in their reserve side for about a year and a half, which was um, which was amazing. And then again, you know, clubs start getting interested. Um, <laughs> and actually, the the Grimsby manager wanted to put me on a contract, which I thought was great. Yeah. But then he, he explained it was a non-contract, which right. in his in his eyes, he he explained it as I could play in the first team. Um, but pretty much I wouldn't get paid for it. I'd okay. get expenses. Um, yeah. Sounds like such a good deal, does it really? <laughs> yeah. As much as I wanted to be a pro and play in the first team and all that sort of stuff, you know, I wanted a career uh, and he was trying to stop me from um, going any, basically the non-contract wouldn't, wouldn't allow me to go anywhere else. I'd have been exclusive to Grimsby. I so were you, um, were you were you working on the side as well? Because I, yeah. I did a little bit of research <laughs> on your career and, uh, Apparently, you were a bit of a jack of all trades, a lifeguard, is that right? Uh, yeah, I did some lifeguarding at the local pool. Yeah. It was actually at the pool I used to get thrown out of a lot. Oh, I right. <laughs> yeah, I was a, a painter and decorator as well. All oh, right, so you were, you were, you know, you were, you're doing these um, these jobs, but really trying hard to make it in, into football, and uh, your your hard work paid off with that that season at Arnold. Where you, by the time you got to Arnold, where you, you know, yeah. I, 49 goals um that that's a that's a hell of a strike rate for uh, any any player at any level I, I don't know how you fitted them all in that season but how it did was, that work it was it was um like i say i i had a i had a fantastic team behind me and and the strike partner was amazing um you know i owe a lot of my goals to him is uh pete fletcher his name was in okay he, he basically my game was speed my game was yeah. getting in behind and my game was scoring goals. Um, yeah. And his game was holding the ball up and taking a lot of hits on my behalf. Yeah. Flicking it on and allowing me just to basically run at goal and score goals because I could always score goals. That's the easy part. Um, yeah, it's a good combination. Your uh, your manager brought together a good little good combo there. Yeah, it was it was brilliant. It was brilliant for us. And, you know, we, we won a cup that season. Uh, I think I think after I left, I think they just missed out on promotion. Um but yeah, I managed to score 47 goals, uh, sorry, 49 goals. Um, and Middlesbrough come to watch me. Of all the trials I had, Middlesbrough was the only one I never had a trial at. They watched uh, me, I think they watched me five times without me knowing. They just come down and watch me play for Arnold Town. And in the last game, we won 10-1. Yeah, we, we won 10-1 in the last game and I scored seven. Uh, wow. I think so. that would have attracted most scouts, that sort of score. <laughs> Is it right that um, Andy Cole used to knock around your area as well? Yeah, so, so Cole is a, a Nottingham lad. So we, we played in um, the City Boys team, um, the Nottingham City Boys team. Yeah. But he was he was at the age where he could play at my age, or he could always or he could play the year above. Yeah. I think he was born like sort of it must have been in September or late October, uh, late August, and mm. I think that allowed him to play in the year above. So he always he always played in the year above. But with the City boys, sometimes we'd, we'd all travel on together to the same game. Okay. Um, so we'd play our age and the the age above uh, mm. at the same venue at the same time. So we'd be on the bus together and stuff like that. But yeah, he always, he's pretty much, a, I think he's just a little bit older than me. Um, but he always chose to play the year above, which obviously did him a, a huge favour. Uh, did you think, did you realise then he would go on to that level of career? Cause he, he yeah, was, was, he was another one. He was, he was, it was stupid fast, you know. I used to do um, a little bit of athletics as well, so I used to do 100 and 200. And again, yeah. he'd be competing in those events, but for the older age group. Mm. Uh, and he was so fast, he used to win him quite easily. Um, but football-wise, another goal scorer, uh, and he was very good at scoring goals, as obviously his career has shown. So, so I was going to ask that actually, because because of your your pace, I I, I always wondered if you had some sort of athletics grounding as well. Uh, so you, you did some athletics on the yeah, side. Yeah, it was, well, to be fair, it was the school that sort of put me in it. You know, we used to do um, mm. like end of, you know, like the sports day. And then from the yeah. sports day, they'd just choose a few people to do certain events mm. and competing against other schools. I was never really interested in it, but, you know, 100 metres is not far. <laughs> 200 is not a little, it's only a little bit further. So anything over that, I couldn't be bothered. You know, yeah. if it didn't involve playing football, I wasn't really interested. You're but, more interested in chasing a ball than, uh, you know. Yeah, give me a ball to chase and a goal to aim at, I was happy. 
you know, running around the track never did me any favours, but I did it because it was a school thing and, you know, they asked me to. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's um, in terms of your early career is is worth sort of just uh, saying that you weren't you weren't one of these um, guys that were with a football league club for, in the academy or from an early age. You, you had to work uh-huh. your way up through through football and, and work your own game out. And um, maybe your maybe your speed helped you you with that because you could escape some of the, the crunching ch- tackles down there a bit more but <laughs> yeah. yeah just a few yeah I used to play Sunday football as well I used to play for four teams so I played for the school the City Boys a team on the Saturday afternoon after the City Boys and a team on Sunday that was very loosely associated with Nottingham Forest who called uh, JCS Garages um, but I think that yeah. was probably before academies really kicked off so I'm quite old I don't now. think I don't think that's I don't think that's such a, a bad way to do things. I, I, you know, I won't go too much into you know, academisation of football, but um, to to play with for your school and with your, your mates a bit more, I think it, it sometimes creates play, uh, players with a bit more more of their own unique, uniqueness to them rather than yeah, you know, the academies all play in the same way and come out yeah. and sort of same sort of player. They're very structured academies, you know, and yeah. I've, I've worked in academies and, and they're great at what they do. Yep. But they're also, you know, a lot of the coaches, their hands are tied in in how much they can help players develop personally. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I got to play with my friends um, and I just got to enjoy it. And, you know, I'm 48 now and I still have a passion for football. I still play now when I can. Um, that's football, obviously. Um, so when um, so when did Mid- 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 Middlesbrough came in around uh, ninety four for you I think that's right so that yeah. was a big 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 step up wasn't it a big step up yeah so Middlesbrough came in for me and, and the way they sold it to me well they didn't really have to sell it to me but what they said to me was they were creating a reserve side um, of players around the same age mm. all on the similar sort of sort of wage similar sort of ability because they you know it was still about winning and losing because the Pontins league was the Pontins league and um we won it um but the um that's what they wanted to create and obviously from there it's about so I went there actually as a reserve team player looking mm. to break into the first team mm. so and that's what the squad was our squad was basically fringe players first team fringe players and so then was it almost a mix between a B team league and a reserve league? Because now, yeah. uh, now you often have um, t- like teams like Brentford. They have a B team or trying yeah. to bring players through. But but you had also had some experienced pros that would cut, drop down to the reserve league. That's so. right. Yeah. So we'd have um, we could have anybody in there. We could have any of the first teamers as many as you want. You know, to yeah. to be honest with you, if if the first team didn't have a game, they'd pretty much fill the reserves with the first team. Um, and I was fortunate enough to still play in some of those games, which was great. So it usually ended up being the sort of any of the academy players or youth team players as they were then um, yeah. that get sort of left out. And then the rest of the team would get filled with the bulk of us like myself. So my first game was at Blackpool away. Um, okay. And I played and there was probably three or four played. And then the rest of it was pretty much most of the first team. They played because they didn't have a game, which was so, fantastic. And we were rubbish and we got hammered. And we got a, a <laughs> yeah, we, we got a big telling off at half time as well, which was my uh, first in, introduction into how loud and uh, brash Gordon McQueen really could be. Um, um, hairdryer, hairdryer treatment. <laughs> brutal. Didn't, Absolutely didn't you brutal. Score, uh, fairly prolifically uh, uh, for the reserves, or he scored quite regularly for the reserves. Yeah, actually, my my limited first team appearances and all my reserve team appearances. Somebody told me, some stato told me that I averaged uh, over a goal a game for three years. I think he said it was some, worked out at something like one point. Uh, I can't remember. What it was one point three six goals per game in three years reserves and first team something like that it was it was, it was more than a goal a game for, for three years there must have that been a, a fair a fair amount of time you itching to get onto the onto the <laughs> uh, the first team with that sort of scoring ratio your, your debut came around 95 for Middlesbrough is that right uh that was my full debut I actually yeah, uh, full debut, yeah. actually you're right it was uh the end of the 93 94 end of 94 season 
I made my debut. I came. I played last 20 minutes at Tranmere when we were still in um, what was Division One then at that time. So was Brian Robson manager then, or was that someone else? No, it was Brian Robson. He was there for. He was there the whole time I was there. So he was my only manager at Middlesbrough. It was. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. You went from Arnold Town, where you, with all due respect to Arnold Town, to Middlesbrough. <laughs> were you in the Premier League then? Premier League? No, we. Uh, that was the season. Yeah, that was a, the, my first season. There was a season we won the league. Sorry, they won the league. I was part of the squad at the end. Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on the photos, but don't no medals involved because obviously I didn't play any games. I played 20 minutes at the end of the last that season. A brilliant Promotion experience. Season. What was Brian was Robson like as a character? Obviously, well, he, he's a legend, isn't he? But can you tell us any yeah. sort of insights into what he was like? Uh, to be fair, he he, um, he he was a manager. He wasn't a coach. We had um, we had a coach called John Pickering. Um, absolutely amazing coach. Mm. He was one of those people that would, you know, at that level, he could travel around the world and go and watch all training sessions and, and stuff like that. Um, so he did all the coaching and, and to be fair, Gaffer, he, uh, he trained, he trained with us. Yeah. So he, he managed the match day, he managed, you know, the players. Um, but he spent most of his time, I would say, probably training and playing football with us because he'd, he'd still play in the reserves every now and again. Just in case, because we went through. I mean, if you look at the uh, the season we got relegated from the Prem and the two cup finals we had, um, we had a lot of injuries and a lot of illnesses. So himself and Viv Anderson tried to keep the fitness up so they could play if needed. Um, Viv Anderson's so, yeah. obviously another massive name in in football. Uh, <laughs> I used to watch him play uh, when he was at Forest. I was a Forest fan when I was a kid. So yeah, was, uh, and. Yeah. When you look at the, the the Middlesbrough squad during that period, you had some ridiculous names that came in. I, I don't know if you expected them ever to sign Janino or Fabrizio Ravinelli or Emerson. Uh, no, you know, the, names. I mean, from from my career, I'd probably say um, being promoted to the Premiership and moving to the Riverside didn't do me any favours. Yeah. Um, but... I had a fantastic time and I loved absolutely every minute of it. I wouldn't change it for anything, um, you know, because I still get recognised as being in that squad. That's uh, mm. it's, it's a big thing up there. You know, they, they had a, an anniversary of that year uh, moving from Ayrson Park to the Riverside, and which I'm part yeah. of that history. Um, yeah. So it, it was huge. It was it was massive. It just didn't do me any favours in, in football terms because, like you said before, with my goal-scoring record, it's very difficult to get in the squad when you've got Mikel Beck, Jan Agafiotov, Uwe Fuchs, Jaime Moreno, um, yep. John Henry was there at the time, Paul Wilkinson was there at the time, and then lowly Chris Freestone that's come from uh, non-league football is trying to get in front of all of them. It's, uh, <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do, you know. When the I guess players at the are, same time... To- be playing with in, 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 and training with that, those sort of quality of players, they would have added stuff to your game too. 100%. Um, that's that's where my coaching came from. You know, I, I never got coached until I got to Middlesbrough. You know, mm. I never coached. I, don't get me wrong. I, I did the, you know, my, my parents put me on holiday camps and all stuff like that, but I've run holiday camps and they're just fun. Um, there's yeah. no real coaching involved. But my actual, I you know, I, I learned to change my game when I went to Middlesbrough. So from being a, a quick player that could only run forwards towards the goal, uh, I learned yep. to play with my back towards goal. And that yep. will start to buzz at Middlesbrough, which which allows me to play now. Because obviously, 48, the speed is still there in this age sort of terms. I'm still quicker than most at 48. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not quicker than the kid. You know, I've got a 23-year-old son that keeps telling me he's faster than me. So I'm going to have to try and prove him wrong. So, <laughs> so Middlesbrough give you more of an all-round game to an extent uh, in terms of yeah. you know, back to the, or maybe setting up a few more chances for yourself and getting a bit more space, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it was, it, it was great because obviously the game changed, you know, even at Northampton where we played 4-4-2 um, mm. to, to, you know, even at Middlesbrough, we, we played 4-5-1. And as really? uh, when you've got, yeah, and when you've got sort of at the time seven strikers before we moved to the Riverside, there were seven strikers on the books, including myself. And when you're yeah. only playing one up front, it's... It's, uh, <laughs> it's not much of a routine, not... is there? <laughs> yeah. But what even was Janino like then? Janino, what was he like? 
was he uh, uh, unbelievable. a marvel on the ball? Yeah, uh, quickest feet I'd ever seen in football. Um, yeah, and intelligent, you know, and a, a, a genuine all-round sort of nice person as well. You know, he's not just a nice guy; he's, he's literally a nice person. And I think yeah. what helped him to settle in when he came to Middlesbrough was he brought his family with him because he was a, you know, he's not married, he didn't have any kids, but he brought his parents with him, he brought his whole family with him, and they they settled in really well. So they love him up there. Um, you know, if there's not a statue out there, there will be at some stage of Janino next to Wilf Mannion. Um, brilliant, but, uh, uh, brilliant on the point, a brilliant, uh, you know, just a, one of those uh, Yoga Benito Brazilian players that are just so natural yeah. with the ball at the feet. I then see there was Ravinelli, the, Itali- the Italian guy. He was a character, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, when Rav first came, he was brilliant. He was in with everybody else. You know, the problem is he had an entourage of, his, I think he had his brother and his huge entourage of people around him. Um, yeah. A lot of people in his ear at the time, you know, and he, he was such a nice guy when he first came, but then he, he just sort of changed. But for me, um, I used to watch uh, Serie A on um, Channel 4. Um, yeah. uh, what was it called? Uh, uh, Football Italia. Football that's Italia. it. I used to watch Football Italia on Sunday and then obviously uh, Rav turned up. I was laughing. I only <laughs> just watched him last week. Um, but we, we learned... You know, we learn loads from him in training. I learned how to, you know, in, even scoring goals, edge of the box, just passing it into the net rather than trying to take the lever off the ball. And it's something that I've, I've took with me throughout my career. I try not to smash it unless I have to. Yeah. <coughs> so just, you know, get your head up, pick, you know, uh, and just picking your spot and pass it into the net. And we did loads of practices like that, which was great, you know, for me. Uh, as, a, as a young player coming from non-league and uh, another young lad that was 16 at the time, Andy Campbell, you know, we um, we learned loads from him. And then he just sort of changed. <laughs> just... I guess uh, I guess it was a, a transitional time for the club, not just going from Ayrton Park to the new stadium, but some big names coming into to a squad sometimes can unsettle things slightly, even unintentionally. Uh, you look at that. 97 season I think that was that your last when uh, they got yeah. Middlesbrough got relegated despite getting to the FA Cup final yeah we had and, the Coca-Cola Cup and the FA Cup lost them both <laughs> and, how, and releg- I, don't, I can't compute that how you can get relegated and get to the FA Cup final it's it just shows that yeah I don't know maybe not the consi- most consistent of teams or no it was it was it was a it was a strange season um I actually went out on loan that season, I came back just before the Coca-Cola Cup final. So I was yeah. part of this sort of squad. I um, was never going to be involved in the sort of team in that one. I'd literally just come back that week. Mm. Um, but it was one of those where the the Cup competition seemed to be a release from the league. Yeah. Um, so we just did really well in the Cups. But then we got back to the league. Um, and I don't think there was any change. There was no real change in the the shape or systems or formation or, you know, anything like that. Uh, even personnel, we pretty much played the same, most of the same, we had the same squad for the whole season, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so there's no real changes. It just seemed to be, we, we seemed to be more relaxed, um, yeah. just seemed to flow better. You know, the, I don't think you can put one, put your finger on one thing that one, one that happened um but to get to two cup finals uh and then lose them both and and, and relegated the relegation was probably um the, we'll, we'll, i'll still say it's down to the league and I, I think anybody from up that end will say it was down to um the league it's, itself you know the fa and um you had a points deduction didn't you as well we didn't help deduction, yeah so was what, a sickness bug went through the camp wasn't there or something literally went through the whole club i mean i phoned in sick that day i was if i was due to play um blackburn was playing blackburn yeah and i was in the squad Uh, i might even i probably would have even been playing that day could not get out of bed at all try my hardest yeah um just i don't even know what it was but it, it ran through the whole club so obviously you know any sickness bug in a in a club you've got to stay away anyway so i phoned in sick um next thing i know they're they're the game had been cancelled. We didn't play it. But what had happened from what I hear was that um, we were told by somebody in the FA, I think, 
don't quote me on that, but I think that's what what I've sort of rumours about that the worst that would happen would we we would get a fine for not playing the game. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then we got the three points deducted plus a fine, um, yeah. and then we went down by two points. So it's one of those yeah, things in football, and and as fate had it. That was Northampton's game because uh, you, I guess you became available for transfer and then uh, a few clubs came in for you. Uh, yeah. I, um, well, what happened was um, I was at the airport. So we'd obviously already been relegated. We'd gone to, um, we was playing down in the championship by then. And uh, I was at the airport. We were travelling to Ipswich. We had Ipswich away. And I was yeah. at the airport and uh, Robbo phoned me up and asked me if I wanted to go on loan to Notts County. Yeah. Uh, obviously, being from Nottingham, my dad's a Notts County fan. I said yes because yeah. I just wanted to play. I won't play any North. I played all the pre-season. Then, sort of, as soon as the season, I, I was a top goal scorer pre-season. Season started. Yeah. Um, back on the bench, back in the squad, working my way down the line and not up the line where I thought I was going to be. And um, you were always yeah. a player that wanted to play as well, weren't you? You, 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 you yeah, were yeah, really that's all I did. That's all I wanted to do was play football and. You know, sat on the bench and then in the squad and not going the right way. So yeah. I, I, I said, yeah, I, I was going on loan to um, to Notts County. So I got back to the ground, picked my gear up, saw one of the scats, and he said, do I want to go to Northampton instead? And I was like, well, I didn't know much about Northampton. Yeah. Uh, and he just said, uh, I think Notts County were in Division or League Two at the time, and Northampton were in League. No. Northampton were in, in Division Two. Uh, I think that's where the season two, after sorry. we won at Wembley. That's right, Division Two. So North County were in Division Three, near the top, and Northampton yeah. were in Division Two. That was right. And then, um, so I chose to go to Northampton instead. So I, I phoned, I actually phoned Sam Allardyce up and told him I won't come into Notts. Um, so he was cool with it, to be fair. It was a, it was a bit annoyed with Robbo because he told him I was definitely coming, and I went to yeah. North, uh, Northampton instead. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I just sort of, so I came on loan originally. Yeah, um, I, I noticed that in the uh, stats. You were on loan for a little bit and then signed permanently, I guess. Yeah, so we played um, Plymouth in the, that dodgy cup they have. Yeah. I don't know what they called it there. Or was it wind or something? It was, yeah, uh, something, I can't remember what. Was it uh, St. Johnston's paint? Uh, yeah, Johnston's paint. I think it was called auto windscreens in those days. Auto, auto windscreens, wind yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, and um, I think I scored in that game, uh, or it went to penalties and scored. And I think we played Plymouth again at the weekend. Yeah. And I scored two. Um, yeah, and I just ended up staying. To be honest with you, I, you know, I spoke hey. to Robert. I just think Ian he was going to be was a manager yeah. then. Ian Atkins. Yeah. Um, Obviously, like like the look of you, brought you in. We uh, we were on a bit of a crest of a wave. We'd won at Wembley, you know, the previous season. I think that was the time yeah. you came in. Uh, team had yeah had a fair amount of self belief, and at Sixfields was hard to to play at. And um, you you had a good good season that that year, culminating in another Wembley final. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um... It was brilliant, to be fair. It was a, I settled in really well. You know, great bunch of lads. There was a couple from Nottingham as well, so I travelled down with those. So I travelled down with James on Charlie Bishop, and we picked car legs up on the way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, good car journey, Dan. A good group in the car as well, which was brilliant. Um, and it, it just helped me to settle in really easy. And, you know, we all got on. We was all like a, a little family and stuff. Um, and it was brilliant. And, and you know, Ian and... Uh, call him the gaffer still so he uh he created something really really special at that time um they just made i just wanted to be a part of it to be honest with you and you know who, as was, much up, as I, who was up front with you in those days in those uh, john gale john gale john yeah gale. He's, he's a guy to work to learn from as well he's he'd been there and done it especially in like for i think he scored at wembley himself birmingham city he probably told you at some point uh, <laughs> a big a big guy wasn't he a big a big presence yes. up front we see, we, again, so it made it really easy for me because obviously I used to play with Paul Wilkinson before he came to Northampton at um, at Middlesbrough. And again, so coming from non-league, playing with a big guy up front, yeah. um, it just made it easy for me to to play off to play off Gailey. And yeah. I think, yeah, you know, 
take a lot of knots and win the ball on a lot. And it was brilliant. I think the only problem was, I think David Seal wasn't happy with me coming. Um, okay. But we uh, we got on really well and we're like Facebook friends now. But, he's Australian, um, isn't he? Asked David Seal. As far yeah, as yeah, he's, he's back at he's back in Australia now. So uh, he was an interesting sort of striker. He was, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it to his face, but maybe a little bit hit and miss. Maybe <laughs> maybe the style didn't suit him. Maybe maybe the English rubber didn't suit him. Who who knows? I, but, yeah, I, I think it was him. I think it was a good player. not his ability. I think it was more about him. Um, people told me when he first came, he was flying on all cylinders, and I think that his problem was once he'd settled in. Yeah. He complacent and that's you know I played with him a couple of times we played you know we played our reserve game and a couple of first team games together um, yeah. and when he's on it he was different class but when he couldn't be bothered he couldn't be bothered and I think yeah. that was his I think that's why Atco that's why the gaffer brought me in um, because of how he was like you say he was hit and miss um, so I guess with your non-league experience as well you're you're quite a hungry player you wanted to get get as far as you could yeah. I just, you know, I I had a passion for scoring goals. I still yeah. have. You know, I just, I don't think, I, I always think a good striker has a passion for scoring goals, just wants to score goals. You know, I used to judge my games on whether I'd scored or not, not whether I'd played well, you know. Yeah. And uh, as you get older, you, you, you start to realise that you can contribute a bit more than just scoring goals. But when I was younger, it was just scoring goals and being hungry to get into positions to score goals. So yeah, a strikers, a strikers always got a certain element of selfishness. You got, you got to have that hunger and. Yeah, it was. These were the things that I was. I, I noticed when I was coming down to do some of the radio, especially uh, not last season before Keith Curl came in. Um, yeah. That the strikers looked like they didn't want to get into. Everybody wanted to score from outside the box, but nobody wanted to score in the six-yard box. You know, nobody wanted to get into positions to get a, to get a smack. Nobody was going to dive in, you know, get kicked in the face to score a goal, that sort of thing. And yeah, I think, I, I think that's where the game, the game, the game has changed, and we can get onto that later. Um, you were um, a sort of player I liked because you you would run onto a through ball, or you'd sniff out a chance, or you put your, your body on the line, or, or that sort of thing. Whereas I think the game has changed now, now a little bit. And maybe if you were playing now, you'd be a bit of a fish out of water to an extent, the, the way you want to yeah. play. Yeah, yeah. A friend of mine asked me to to play in a for him a couple of years ago which I didn't really want to do because of my age and didn't really want to be chasing kids around um but you know I got on the pitch and I'm still making the same sort of runs and um similar sort of runs but they they can't read you they're not playing the right balls in or everything's got to be a a a wildy pass you know nobody wants to do anything simple anymore everybody wants to look special um, and, and I noticed that even watching sort of the Northampton games and some of the other games that I've been to go and watch other clubs, everybody wants to be special. Everybody, you know, yeah. I, I always back at my sort of Northampton town um, career. And I think, you know, we were a team, but we were a team together. If a five yard yeah. pass was the right pass, we'd make the right pass. If, if a 40 yard pass was a, the right pass to do, we got, you know, we got called a long ball team, but we weren't a long ball team. The long ball just suited us down to the ground because we had big John Gale up front and I could run off him. Yeah. So why would we play out from the back and why would we play through the thirds when you can just get it up to Gailey or get it over the top to myself? So I, I don't understand why people make tactics really complicated and it's yeah. like that in non-league football. You know, I, I've coached and I've managed at non-league football as well and as much as you want to be get them to do the simple things. They still want to overcomplicate things because everybody wants to be special. Yeah, you know? I guess that um, that 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 uh, Gale combination um, paid dividends. Do you remember the uh, the the playoff uh, semi final uh, of that year uh, against Bristol, Bristol Rovers? Rovers. Yeah. Did you play in the first game where we lost three one and John Gale managed yeah, to we, get a bit of a consolation at the time, but it proved to be really we were terrible. We were terrible yeah. in that game. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, yeah, everything sort of went wrong for us and going 3-1 down. The best thing that happened was Gailey getting a sort of late consolation goal, which did us a huge favour because obviously... Just a bit of belief there then after that. Yeah, yeah a, bit it was a, of a, bit, a bit of belief and, and obviously the away goal counted then as well. So we knew we had a chance because we could score goals. Scoring yeah. three goals is always going to be harder than scoring two goals. So, you know, we had the belief that we could we could get something. Because we could get two goals at Sixfield because of how we were and and and, and how we good how good we were at home. 
Fun so, to a bit of a 12th man in those days. And that uh, that second leg, uh, to this day, I still reckon is the best atmosphere ever seen at Sixfields. Uh, oh, it was win. brilliant. Just, it was we, electric. Yeah, we, we won the game in the tunnel. You know, somebody asked me, I, I, I read somewhere, uh, there was a rumour. It, it's, it's not a rumour, it's the truth. We won the game in the tunnel. You know, um, you could hear the fans outside from the tunnel, from where we were in the changing rooms. They were yeah. loud. Um, which helped us no end. And you could see the look on the, the Bristol Rovers players. They looked nervous. And then yeah. you got big John Gale spinning the ball on his finger and, and bouncing it off the centre-half's head. Um, <laughs> and then when he spins around to have a go and he sees big John Gale there with the ball in his hands with an evil look on his face, he spun <laughs> no, back I around. I didn't fancy that. Yeah, he didn't <laughs> fancy it. And that was it, to be honest. We got, it, we got into him straight away from the first minute. Yeah. Um, and the game was over. It was as simple as that. It was one in the tunnel. You know, they didn't fancy it. Um, great news for us. Nope. And to Wembley we went. There was some real, real, uh, I said this in the, in the, in the last podcast, but there was some in, about the previous one, but in this, in this team you were part of, there was some real characters. Obviously John Gale was there from the year before. People like yeah. Carl Heggs was a character used to share a car with. Um, there was loads of characters in there and I think that helped, uh, helped sort of, Push, push things along a bit yeah it was it was great for us because it's it's great to have characters in your squad it's great to have you know those sort of characters in the changing room but there was no um there was no sort of big time players egos. in there yeah there was no egos in there there was no big time players there was there was none of that in the change room at all and when any when anybody sort of gave it the big one a little bit so you know i could i could turn around oh yeah i played with janini or something like i get hammered yeah, so yeah. it's not doing it. So I wouldn't do it. Um, and, and, and that's how it sort of went. So you just get jumped on and, and get hammered for the day. So it wasn't worth it. But we, no, we didn't have any egos in there. And it was great. It was a great squad to, to be a part of. Um, and like I say, we, we were all in it together and we did everything together. Yeah. You know, nobody sort of was rushing to go home after training. I stayed behind um, and did a lot of finishing on my own. And, you know, when you're in a car of four, Normally you might get the come on we want to go, yeah. Um, but the lads would wait for me and and you know not moan if I wanted to stay behind and, and do a bit extra, which was great. So were you living in Nottingham still? Like did you just travel yeah, down yeah. in the car? Yeah. Travel down. So not yeah, too far. It's about, is it from no, it's, yeah. it's, it's about an hour down. Like I say, we used to pick Eggsy up because he's from Leicester, so pick him up so, on uh, the way we down. So we went on to the um, obviously went on to Wembley. That was another massive following from Northampton. Just. Oh, I can't remember the exact amount. Thirty-five, forty-five thousand. I didn't know there was that many people in Northampton. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I went to both games, uh, but forty-five thousand. I, I went on the train, and there was just a massive snake of people trying to get a train from you uh, to Euston. <laughs> like, create a, a brilliant day out. The club were on a roll, but I, I remember that player final, and I, I, you might think differently, but I just reckon. On the day, Grimsby had a little bit more quality. I think you're looking back at certain players they had, like uh, uh, Jack Lester and Kevin Donovan and people like that. They were pretty yeah. useful, but you might have a different take on that. You might just think it was just. Uh, uh, and I mean, not- to be honest with you, I think we, we knew what they had. And um, my personal opinion on it is once we got to sort of 70 minutes, we needed. Um, we needed a ball player on the pitch then because we ran them into the ground. We yeah. were fit, so we were literally probably the fittest team in the league. And mm. they were the seven, around the 70 odd minutes, they were tired and we could tell they were tired, but we didn't have that yeah. one person could could put that perfect ball through uh, for myself, for Gailey, for Seely when he came on. You know, we just didn't have that that cutting edge to give us that opportunity. I never had one clear chance in the whole game. You know, everything was sort of snapshots, half chances. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was just one of those where I was just thinking, Frustrating. we needed at that time, we needed Jason Dazelle on the pitch and yeah, the gaffer crazy. put him on for some reason. And I still don't know why there's lots of rumors about money, clubs, chairman and all that sort of stuff. Right. Bonuses that he might've been on. I don't know. Okay. Um, I, I can't see. But yeah, just that killer through ball that you. I, I guess it was really uh, frustrating to get to Wembley, right, and get on the pitch because you didn't make the FA Cup final team, did you? 
to be honest, I was supposed to be, I would have been on the bench if Rav hadn't declared himself fit the night before. Oh, bloody Rav, so, <laughs> I ended up, yeah, up watching from the stands in the end. So, but anyway, so you you yeah. uh, you, you get on the pitch at, um, uh, for Cobblers at Wembley, and you're you're bang up bang up for it, I should think, and you're just oh, yeah. waiting for that one chance, that one chance. You know, when you're a child, like you're, you're like War of the Rovers, <laughs> one chance, I'm going to finish it, and it just doesn't yeah. come. It must be really like oh, it, was, it was horrible. You know, it's, it's um, you've got two centre halves, and obviously. As I said before, I, I played up at Grimsby, so I know half the lads there. Yeah. So Pete, Pete Andyside and uh, Mark Lever, the centre-halves that day. And uh, Mark Lever is probably about as tall as big John Gale. So yeah. he, he looked after him and Pete Andyside and myself had our battles. Um, but I knew that, you know, give me one chance, one clear chance yeah. out of the score. I know this because yeah. it, it's just, I just know. But... Yeah. One clear chance I, I would have scored. But were you the sort of striker that would have a bit, have a little bit of chat with the defenders, or you're more of a sort of? Oh a yeah. If if yeah, they want if, if they want to have um you know if they want to do the sneaky stuff where they start pinching me and standing on my toes, I, I can mix it with them as well. So yeah, yeah. to stand on people's toes back or knee them in the in the side of the leg or something like that, or elbow him in the face, depending on what they were doing. The dark uh, arts of the striker. Yeah, all the dark arts. <laughs> or I'd have a laugh and a joke, but. My yeah. way of having a laugh and a joke, I would do that and then I'd shoot off. So while they were still laughing, I'd try and pinch a yard or or you. So, yeah, I'd try and... Uh, Pace is always a, just a, a great thing to have as a striker for various different reasons. Snatching onto chances, running away from people. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's probably, uh, you had the pace that a lot of strikers probably wish they had, a lot of forwards. Yeah, so lucky. yeah like I say, it just needed that, you know, if I could have got one across the near post or a through ball through because you know I know Pete and I know Pete Anderson I know Mark Lever and that they're good defenders but they've got no pace so yeah. if I'd have got away I'd have got away but you know they're not gonna they never played a high line so that the ball over the top was never going to be there for us to to get on it had so to they, be were managing, they were managing you they, they had a game plan for you didn't they yeah they played a little bit deeper because you know we've played them in the league so they knew what we were about we knew you know it's it's it is when you play each other twice over a season, you know what's going to come. Um, it was so a tight just, game. It was just just one of those things. We just didn't really quite get over the line. And yeah, if we had over the line, it's the eternal question in Northampton. Where would we have gone on from that? Because it was a championship yeah. they've been into. Never really got there since. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so there were still some good times ahead uh, for you at Northampton. You, you weren't with Cobblers for a long time, uh, you know, for a massive period, but... Fit, fit quite a lot in uh, the West Ham game, uh, the League Cup that was. That was the, I think that was '98, but just after the sort of the new season after Wembley, yeah. um, we drew West Ham uh, uh, over two legs in the League Cup. It was in those days, and um, yeah, West Ham came to town under Harry Redknapp. I think it was the manager, uh, right. and you. Yeah. You, you, you seem to be bang up for that game. I don't know what it was, but you, you seem to be right yeah, up Yeah, you know, I, I, I like playing in big games. If I, you know, like I said before, I, I just love to play football and the big games always got me more excited because you're playing against, you know, they're not really superstars, but, you know, you're playing against big names that are playing in big leagues and big money and all that sort of stuff. And you, you just always, you always want to beat them. You, you might test yourself against the best, don't you? All footballers yeah, do. Of course, yeah. you, as you should, you know, you shouldn't fear yeah. teams like this. You should give it your best shot because nobody gives you a chance. You know, you, all the pundits on the telly, when they see the squad that West Ham put out, Northampton ain't got a chance. Um, you know, names in that, that team. Yeah, I'll just quickly run through the West Ham team. Everybody yeah, the West Ham team was um, Shaka Hislopping goal. Yeah. Steve Potts, who was a good player in his day, Ian Pierce, they were sort of steady sort of uh, players. Neil Ruddock, obviously, you know, <laughs> massive character. Kyle Berkovich, who was a talented Israeli guy. Yeah. Um, Frank Lampard, uh, junior, legend, obviously, went on to be a um, massive, massive player. Yeah. Stan Lazaridis, Australian guy, he was pretty useful. John Moncur, he had a good career. Um, uh, Trevor Sinclair, obviously, a fantastic yeah. player. And they're not a bad strike force, John Hudson <laughs> and Ian Wright. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were. Um, and to be fair, you know, Ray Warburton had a fantastic game as well that day. Yeah. Um, 
I think he got man of the match in the end that day as well. He was he was outstanding. He marshaled John Artson, which is not not many people could do at that time. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, fantastic. Um, the uh, commentator was uh, who was it? Ron Atkinson, and he I remember watching the replay, and he was saying how well Ray Warburton was playing. But up front with you was um, Carlo Corazon. How did you get on? Not necessarily off the pitch, but what was your partnership like with him? Because he was a fairly useful player, but maybe not the big guy you're used to playing up front with. Yeah, we we, we played we played differently that day, which was great. I mean, he liked to come short to feet, um, yeah. which which allowed me to to stretch the pitch a little bit as well. As much as I didn't mind coming to feet at that time, um, because it, as I said before, the the, the coaching that I had at um, Middlesbrough had helped me to do that. So we just had to really take it in turns. But I. I can bounce off players. So I, I'm a coach now, but I, I read players. and I've always had that ability to sort of read players. And so I changed my game based on who I played with. So oh, if, right, I played right. with, if I played with Gayla, I wouldn't come short to feet. I'd go long because I knew yeah. he'd do that. And there's nothing worse when two players come short and there's nobody in behind. But if I played with um, Carlo, if he went short, then I'd definitely go long. If he looked like he was going a little bit longer, then I'd come short. So I'd sort of read and, and sort of, adapt my game slightly um to to suit the players i'm playing with but no he was he was a quality player you know he was he was good he was strong he was once he was the quickest um but he was intelligent you know he was a, i believe he was a canadian international at that time um yeah. so uh, intelligent footballer until yeah. um, i'm looking at the goal times i think goals didn't come till quite late 77 minutes and then 85 so like two goals yeah. in quick succession yeah the um to be honest, the think, yeah, I think I think we caught West Ham off guard because I think they assumed, as all teams assume, that we were a long ball team, as I've mentioned before. Um, yeah. We played football that day. You know, when you've not got Gailey in the side, you have to play football. You know, you have to you have to play it down the sides. You have to go through the gaps, um, play short little passes, and we played more football that day than we'd probably ever played the last two seasons. Um, and I think it sort of caught them off guard a little bit, you know, and the first goal, once you get it out to Ali Gibb, who's just got pace, like it's running out of fashion. I mean, when he, when he's run down that right-hand side and whipped the ball in, the, the panic, I didn't expect them to panic the way they panicked in the box. Yeah. Um, it's ricocheted off Steve Potts, I think. I think Shaka saved one. It's hit somebody else. It's hit the post and I've toe-poked it off Shaka's face. Um <laughs> And it's, it's I don't think um, necessarily, bless uh, John Gale, maybe wouldn't have been, in, wouldn't have been the uh, striker to finish that. I think it was your um, anticipation and your speed got you, got you to that, that ball in front yeah, of you. Like I say, just, you know, I've always had this sort of natural ability to just be in the right place. It's not something you can coach. Um, just trying, you know, just trying to read. I, I, if you look, if you see the video, I actually never made a, a motion to the ball until it hit the post. I just yeah. saw wandered in and around that six yard box right. while it was bouncing off everyone until yeah. I got a chance to get a foot on it. Um, yeah. yeah. And fortunately I, I just kicked it as hard as I could from uh, that distance there, knowing that Shaka was diving onto it and, and it's hit him. I think it's probably hit him in the chest and gone in. Um, <laughs> but no, I'd, I'd take it all day long. There. But I, I like scoring goals from there. It doesn't matter to me whether they're 30 yard or a yard out. I don't care. Goals the goal. second goal, uh, the second goal was actually a really good header. I'm not sure you were known for those sort of those headers, but that was a really well placed header. Yeah, I don't know why. I've always been good at heading the ball, and I've always been able to jump quite high. But oh, okay. you know, when you play with, you know, like say you play with John Gale, you don't tend to go for a lot of headers in the game, oh, so I didn't yeah. have to. Um, yeah. But you know, when uh, I think Roy Hunter threw it in first. Wilco's reacted and laid it back, and then and then Tubbs has crossed it in. Um, yeah, I've just managed to to out jump them all, and Wilco's like three foot taller than me, which was even better. So yeah, he wasn't it's sort of just sort of one of those moments where it, it came to you, and you just put a little little flick on it, and it just <laughs> it right in. It's a really good moment. I remember it. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I think um, I think Gordon McQueen was on commentary as well. I've seen the okay. video because he's yeah he said something about. I've never seen him at the ball before. <laughs> I thought you cheeky git. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so three uh, years I was with him. He's never seen me at the ball. <laughs> Joke. So we headed we headed to Upton Park with a two 0 uh, advantage, and 
it was always going to West Ham were always going to come back. They had a, they were a bit embarrassed by that result, and they were going to come back hard. And uh, quite a lot of us fans went up to Upton Park, and that was a great moment for us as fans because um, Upton Park for me was a proper football ground. Yeah, like with proper stands and close to the pitch, and you know some really partisan fans. And um, you know we came we 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 lost a. Uh, one nil on the night, I think it was, but That's right. uh, we won one overall, and just to beat West Ham over two legs in those days was a real feather in the cap. You had a chance that night, didn't you? you had a chance yes, yeah, yeah. Um, sort of Rob, I think it, uh, Rob Frank Sinclair on the halfway line at the ball and broke through. Um, but when you've got a one-on-one, you've got to make your mind up. You've got to make your mind up quickly, and I changed my mind probably about four times on my run-up. Shaka <laughs> um, Hislop is about six foot six, and yes. he fill, fills the goal. And when he comes out to the edge of the eighteen-yard box, yeah, and you can't even see the posts. Yeah, all sorts of things go through your mind. So my choice was uh, originally I was just going to run and slot it at the side, and then I think I was going to put it through his legs, and then I was going to chip him. And in yeah. the end, I decided to go around him. Yeah. Um, but by the time I actually got around him, because he is so tall. Frank Sinclair yeah. actually cleared it off the line. So uh, uh, I got yeah. around him, I slotted it towards the goal, and Frank, who lost the ball in the first place, cleared it off the line. So yeah, yeah I should have scored. I should have made my mind up early, but there's a lots of uh, shoulda, woulda, couldas. Um, but I'd like you say, uh, his lot was a very good goalie as well, so it's not yeah. trying to get around him at all. So, you know, fair play for even doing yeah. that. We had a few discussions about it uh, over the years. Whenever <laughs> I've seen um, but, uh, so... Yeah, we went through the League Cup and then did you play in the, the game against, I think it was Tottenham in the next round? Tottenham, yeah, David Ginola ruined us. He was, <laughs> he was uh, a player. so strong. I, mean, I, yeah. I remember chasing him back um, down the left there and, you know, I couldn't get near him. He just put his hand in my chest and I couldn't, it was like running on a treadmill. He was so not only was he like brilliant on the ball, he was like strong as an ox as well. I was strong as an ox, yeah. He just, like I say, he just put his arm out. Just held me off like I was a little kid, um, but he I was. Show that. I think um, we scored as well. I think was it Dean Pear or Sean Parrish scored? I can't remember which one. If you speak to Dean Pear, he probably only scored about three goals for Coventry. Oh, be Sean probably... I saw him in Wales. <laughs> I saw him in Wales a while back, and he did tell me about a goal, but I sort of switched off. It was it Sean Parrish actually, because yeah. I remember, and it was probably that goal for Card- uh, Cardiff for uh, Cardiff. Who, uh, so that was obviously a a really good time and then things as as they often do in football uh tailed off to an extent that go cobblers like how did you end up like leaving um you know what i don't really know it just seemed i just sort of went out of favor a little bit um and as much as uh, you know you're trying to fight for a place um, started playing more reserve games. It was like me and David Seal playing in the reserves. Um, yeah. we, we were tearing it up in the reserves because we were playing really well. But he, he sort of went down the route of playing Paul Wilkinson and, and uh, Carlo more often. Yeah. Um, um, and he just, in the end, it was just, I guess it was just time to go. You know, I really didn't want to go. I, somebody mentioned something and it went down to um, deadline day where I was going off to... Uh, Hartlepool came in for me on deadline day. Yeah. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I didn't really want to go. But it didn't look like I had a future there. So I thought for Sometimes you just have to go, do what you got yeah, to do. Yeah, just play football. So, yeah, I went to Hartlepool. Um, yeah, it, was, I, I I didn't think it, was a, it wasn't an ideal... It wasn't a straightforward season, that season for Cobblers. It, it, we'd been on a crest of a wave and everything. And things yeah. were more steady. But the, the, I think you joined in fairly uncertain times to an extent things weren't very like completely straightforward off the pitch so I think you were just unlucky at that at that point um yeah it wasn't really down to do with your your performance or anything because you put a lot of great shows yeah in. I've got to be honest I think I'd, I'd have stayed there forever if I'm honest oh, I, nice. I, had a, I had a fantastic so it's probably one of the only clubs I still go back to I've not been back to Hartlepool or Shrewsbury or anywhere else I've been back to Middlesbrough um, yeah as you know I've still got people up there I still know but Northampton's closer for me and you know they asked me I came down to do um actually uh, do the hospitality yeah uh, and that's how I got into the radio I came down did the hospitality talked about the West Ham game um and then the next thing you know I was doing radio for 
last couple of seasons and yeah it's it's been great it's just good to come back down every now and again it, you know it's brilliant yeah it's nice what what happened to you um uh Hartlepool then did it what was your what was your time like up there because like I assumed, without doing research on that, you were some sort of northeast, north, someone from the northeast. But you're you're not not a guy that just yeah. happened to play quite a lot up, up in the northeast. So yeah, it just weird... it just sort of worked out that way. You know, I went went to Hartlepool. It was an opportunity. Yeah, the, I think being in the northeast was probably one of the only reasons I decided to go in the end. Um, yeah. Because you know, friends and people I know up there and stuff like that, and fantastic time that I had up there. Um, it was probably the only draw really for me to go back to Hart- uh, to go up to northeast and, and up to Hartlepool. Um, yeah. and I had a really good time to be honest with you. The first season I was there, or the end of that season that I went, um, sort of uh, February onwards, they were actually at the bottom of the Division Three. Um, yeah, yeah, and um, we it was us in Scarborough, um, and it came down to us in Scarborough, and we played Scarborough and. I scored the two goals that, that kept him in the league. So, yeah, I'm quite well known up there, which is good. Yeah, I, but, I, think, uh, I think you were, your name was handed around a few uh, scouts up in the northeast because you got signed a few times up yeah. there. What? How did you finish your your football career then? You played for quite a few clubs by looking at, this is not the best uh, source, but Wikipedia, but you yeah. seem to have played for quite a few clubs just before, as, your, as your career finished. Yeah, so I, I've sort of finished almost, uh, I finished at Shrewsbury, um, it just sort of tailed off there, you know. Everything sort of went went downhill at Shrewsbury. It started off okay, and then it just sort of tailed off a little bit. It is what it is, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then um, they were paying up my contract, um, and I had four clubs interested. And then um, by the end of the negotiations, um, ITV Digital. Remember ITV Digital? Yeah, they- yeah, the crash. Yeah, so all the the four clubs that were interested in signing me all disappeared. Um, wow. I was sort of left in limbo then, so sort of just wandering around. You know, I went to I went up to Scotland, I went to Airdrie up in Scotland, but they yeah. were in financial difficulty, so that didn't work. Um, and then I went across to Dundalk in Ireland, okay. um, but they were they were playing in the UEFA Cup, so they asked me to come over. Um, but to be honest with you, they were still part time at that time, so. I was not going to stay in Ireland and just train twice a week. Um, yeah. And that, that was it, really. And I just I went sort of back into non-league, went playing the conference with Forest Green. Um, but then that, that didn't really work out either. So I just in the end, I just decided to, uh, to, to you know what, to just come play. So right, rather than trying to hang on to my professional career, um, I decided to get qualified and, and just go and play football locally again and just yeah. win it it really and then what will, what will happen will happen after that so you still really... playing football football now or yeah yeah I, I play for play for a vets team in in nottingham baseford vets um which we Ooh. win a lot which is good so there's a few ex pros in that team um pretty much play about every fortnight i think we play every sunday or every well, fortnight you've, uh, you've played for a like some representative size for like uh like um indoor games or whatever like uh, Middlesbrough I think I've seen you playing for one of them yeah uh, in the Masters the yeah, Masters yeah that's it yeah played played the Masters that was brilliant played uh, Hartlepool's first season one and only time they've been in it and then uh, I played for Middlesbrough two or three times where we won it and went to the sort of national um, saw the national winners played at the uh, in Birmingham um, I played for England Vets as well in uh, in Thailand in the World Cup so Good. <laughs> yeah, good yeah I, went last, I went last year i was supposed to be going again this year but obviously lockdown oh, okay. and all that that's that got cancelled so yes yeah, right. um so, so have you done your are you, are you in, uh, involved you involved in the coaching side as well yeah so i've got um so i've got an a license um and uh i've just finished my degree in uh, advanced performance coaching so i've got a master's in in coaching as well oh, so good, yeah so yeah, I mean, I, I love me coaching. I want to get into management, um, but whether I do it in this country or abroad, I don't know yet. Probably it's abroad. A, it's a bit of a, it's a quite a tough gig management, isn't it? I think sometimes some, some it is some talent, but there's sometimes who you know, a bit of luck thrown in, it's a bit of a package. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult. I think that's probably why I'll end, I'll probably end up going abroad to manage because it's probably easier to get into. It's like a magic roundabout in England, you know, people yeah. lose their jobs and get another one. So 
Yeah. So I think uh, it's hard to, unless like like you say, when you when you're in the when you're on the uh, mega round, you're alright, but when you're not you're not on it and you're trying to get on it, it's, it's right. hard to, for <laughs> it's when, a, when a when a chairman's got a list of names and you've got someone on there with you with a great football pedigree, but maybe not the experience. Yeah. They're often gonna go with someone with a bit of experience just to play it safe because yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's what I find at the moment. You know, I've I put sort of five year plan together of where I want to get to and what I want to do. And I've, you know, I'm learning Spanish at the moment, and I've just finished my master's degree, which was sort of first two years of the plan. So uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But that's that's the idea. I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to see you back at Cobblers, mate, as manager. That would be great. You can sign a few more speed, speedy strikers. Well, the way you keep, keep going, an eye out for young players, do you? Yeah. Yeah, have you seen a Chris Freestone Mark II out anywhere that's scored? <laughs> you know what? I haven't. I, like I say, <laughs> strikers all want the, all the, the kids. I see the kids, they just want to score from 30 yards all the time. Yeah. You know, even when they're doing shooting sessions in, in academies and nobody ever tells them to follow up and hit rebounds or they all want to score from outside the box, but nobody wants to score inside the box. And, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult to think, even in the league, where the natural strikers are. If you look in the Premier League and yeah. Who's inside the six-yard box? Who's always there for tappings? You know, your Michael Owens, your Ruud van Nistelrooy's. Where yeah. are they? Where are those players gone? Yeah, I think forward. I watch a fair amount of football now. I think you, you to, to succeed as a can you even call them strikers anymore? I'm not even sure you can. But as a forward or whatever, <laughs> you've got to be a bit of a all-round athlete and to be able to be sort of a multifunctional sort of player. Whereas. Yeah those specialist finishers and Northampton have had a quite a few over the years are you know few and far between now and the game has cha- has changed has changed a lot I'm not necessarily for the better but um you know as a fan I like to see entertainment and uh yeah I think sometimes things can be a bit sort of over technical or it is know. it is um yeah it's it's it is hard it's it's hard to watch at times you know, like I say, when I've come down to Northampton, I've seen some of the games um, and it's really hard to watch because you can see where people should be. You can see what people should be doing and they're not doing it. And you just think, why? Why are they not? Do they not know? Do they not see it? Or are they not being coached it? But some of it's natural, you know, some of it they should be doing and some of it's an attitude. You know, running without the ball is an attitude um, to run into a space, to run. 20, 30, 40 yards without the ball, you've got to have a good attitude to do that. Can't rely on other people to do that. And that's that's the difficulty in trying to get that across to players because everybody wants to be special and everybody wants to be a superstar. Yeah, maybe you're, uh, maybe you're, the way you came into the game with your uh, Jeremy Vardy sort of route, just gave you that hunger to chase that ball a little bit longer and to, I don't know, just put the work in because you weren't, you weren't, you weren't told that you were, you know, special like a lot of the kids are now, at the age of ten, sort yeah. of promised X, Y, and Z. You had to just really go and find find your own game and, and oh, that's it. sort of fight for your own success. That was it. Yeah, I, I don't know how many of these kids that I see um, have a desire to to be the best. You know, whatever I do, whatever I put my name to, whatever I try and work on, whether it's Spanish now, running, scoring goals. I always yeah. want to be the best at what I can be. Now, uh, somebody told me, uh, Kevin Wilson told me when I was down at Northampton, he was assistant manager at the time. Yeah. He said, uh, in his eyes, he was the best striker at the club and he wasn't even playing. And I said, well, I'm the best striker at the club. And he says, well, you should be. You know, yeah. in your own eyes, you should always be the best. And I said, yeah. well, that's how I feel anyway. So he still thought he was the best finisher at the club. I thought I was. <laughs> Well, that's our own opinion, and our own opinion should be the one that counts. So, you know, that's that's how we saw it. But that's why we've been able to do what we've been able to do. I don't think people see that anymore. They want other people to tell them they're fantastic. I don't care whether people like me or not. I really don't. Never. I stopped. I stopped worrying about that a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Too many players want to be liked by everyone. I think just do play your game, do your thing. You know, and people will either like you or they won't like you. And that, and that and that goes back to we'll wrap up now, but that that goes back to what you said sort of earlier on in terms of judge you in terms of how many goals you scored and you you judge yeah. your own game how many goals you scored and then the rest of it is irrelevant I guess isn't it? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Listen, mate, it's really good talking to you. And uh, yeah, you, obviously, you, you come back to Sixfields a fair amount. That's lovely. But you know, you're always welcome to come back. And uh, as I said, uh, if we ever see you as manager, you'd be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Might be a while. Keeps doing okay. Get Ian Atkins as your uh, assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could cope with him again. <laughs> probably run, run me around the track or something. <laughs> okay, mate. Uh, take care. Right. Now. I'll, I'll Cheers. See you Cheers, mate. See you. Brilliant. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.